All right, guys. I'm going to ask us to, we can keep going next week. Like, we can continue on if your pumpkin's not filled up. So, have no fear. But I wanted to ask you guys, what are some of the things you guys are thankful for? I said peanut butter and chocolate because that's been my life lately. So, right now, the season is changing, you know, peanut butter and chocolate. So, what else, guys? What else? What? Imagination, that's a good one. Baptism, that's a good one too. Oh, I love your dog. I don't even know him and I love him. Anybody else? Friends. Friends, yes. Women's life. Oh, that's a good one. Vacation. Oh my goodness, yes. Preach for it. Chick fil A. Chick fil A, the Lord's chicken. Cool. All right. Well, I thought we could start out with some gratitude because I don't know about you guys, but um, I definitely had a really weird day. It was like all over the place. Um, and so I got here and I was like, I need to focus. Like I need to center my heart and be in my, my Bible brain. I don't know if that's a thing, but it needs to become one. I need a Bible brain. That feels like a really churchy thing to say, too. Y'all, I never thought I was going to be in ministry ever, and I'm up here talking about Bible brain. Like, something somewhere went very wrong along the way. I know, or very right. That's true. Um, so here's a question for you guys. I don't know if any of you guys ever collected things when you were kids, like if anybody collected Barbies or, like, little statues of animals. or Beanie Babies? That's a good one. Um, my youngest sister loved animals, and so she used to get like those little calendars of like cute puppies and kittens and cut them out. And then I have vivid recollections of her whole room being covered in calendars. Did you do that too? Yes. I know, you guys might be friends. I could see you guys being friends actually if, if she lived here. I was really into dollhouses, and um, that is because my grandmother had, she used to make those shadow boxes. I don't know if you guys remember them, but she made them like rooms in a dollhouse, and she had all these little miniatures. So I was obsessed with dollhouses for a long time. And there was this, so I grew up overseas in Bolivia, and there was this festival called Alacitis, which I have a picture of. Um, yep, there it is. And it's a miniature festival, and so everything is tiny. Like, they make everything tiny. You can get, I mean, literally everything. You guys, I would save my money, and I would, like, run to the festival when it came. And I used to, like, go crazy and just come home with, like, buckets full of tiny things. And I don't know why. I still kind of, like, have a soft spot for small things. Like, yes, a little tiny dollhouse would be amazing. But um, so you could get, like, furniture or cars or dolls or clothes. And Alicetes was fun, but it also had some darker spiritual undertones because the purpose of the festival was you buy things in miniature that you want the next year. So like if you want a baby, you would buy a tiny baby. If you want to get married, you could buy a tiny marriage license. And so people would take those and they would either take them to the priest at the Catholic church or they would take them to like a shaman and they would um, burn them or bless them and ask God or the spirits to give them um, what they want for the next year. So I think there's a picture of the, oh yeah, there's another little tiny house. And then yeah, there's the shaman. So it had like its dark undertone. But the one thing that I think is really, really true about the human race is that we all value stuff, right? I was valuing tiny dollhouse things. 
but we all value things, and because we value things, we value money. And so this part of Proverbs 3 tonight is actually about tithing. And at first I was like, oh man, I get to be the one who gets up and talks about tithing. Aren't we all going to be like either bored A or mad B or checked out C? I was like, thank you, Lord. But here's the thing, guys. I got really excited because as I started studying it, I don't think it's about, it is about money, but I don't think it's really about money. So, um, so I'm excited to share what God gave me with you guys tonight. And I would like to pray before I do that. Is that okay? So Jesus, um, yeah, I am, tonight I'm just glad to be here, glad to look out and see faces, glad to hear stories, glad to see friends I haven't seen in a while and see friends that I know really deeply and well. And I just would ask that you would help my mouth to speak truth, that I wouldn't deviate from what is true about you or your scripture, and that what is said would be helpful and beneficial to the body. In your name, amen. There's notes on your page, or on your table, guys, if you want to grab them. And we're just going to read the first part of Proverbs 3 that we're, um, we're talking about tonight. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So Jesus had a lot to say, actually, about money. And he, he said a couple things. He said, um, you can't serve both God and money. And he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom, which is an interesting comment. So as you know, we're going into a conversation about finances. But um, what I want you guys to also know is that it's okay. <laughs> we're all going to be okay tonight so we can breathe. Um, I'm not going to pass out a collection plate. I thought about it and thought about saying, tonight our tie will be peanut butter and chocolate, so give me what you have. Um, and then the other thing I want you guys to know is that this, I don't have this nailed down. Like, I'm not up here preaching to you guys because I have it together in this area. Finances is actually something that I'm still learning to do well and that God is teaching me about how to do well because I'm a spender. So that should tell you everything you need to know about me. Um, so I'm up here preaching to myself actually more than you guys. And so as we talk about money, what I want you guys to know is we're actually going to be talking about security because I think that's the thing behind the thing. And we're going to be talking about idolatry because that's the thing behind the thing behind the thing. So here's my question when I read the scripture. If I come to the scripture just not knowing or having any other context, my question is, does God need my money? Like, why is he asking me for my finances? That feels weird. Does the creator of the universe need my pennies? Because we all know how it feels to be paying bills, right? maybe be stretching that paycheck as far as it can possibly go. And it can feel selfish that God is asking me to give him a part of it, like selfish on the part of God. So my question was why? Why does God want it? Especially when it's easier to put it off on the weeks that we need to pay an extra bill or somebody is sick in the household and we need to pay medical things or maybe actually we just want to go on that vacation we've been thinking of for a while. We want some vacation money. So honoring the Lord with our wealth, with the first, like back in the day, it was the first fruits of your crops because that was their wealth. Um, I think we find the answer to the why in this scripture in Mark chapter 12, which is also on your page. And it, it goes like this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. 
So Jesus is in the temple. He's there with his friends. He's hanging out. People are walking in on their, I guess it was their offering day, and they're putting their offering into the box. It says, many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So here's the big thing that I want you guys to understand about tonight. Our money follows our heart, and that will be your first fill in the blank. Our money follows our heart. It's a reflection of our heart, and God will have no other thing be of higher importance in our lives than him. He wants to be first. And so, you know, as we think about finances and how often we cling to money, whether out of necessity or out of greed, both of those can be true. I think it's often true that money is an area we don't want God to have a say in because that feels like our security might be out of our control. But one of the names of God is it's quantum, and that's also on your sheet. It's a Hebrew word, and it means God not bearing any rival. And we look at jealousy as a negative emotion, right? Because I can be jealous of somebody else, and that's not a good thing. Like, I can be jealous of Haley's job, or I can be jealous of the relationship that um, Jana has, or I can be jealous of positions at, at work that I want. Um, so we can think of jealousy as a negative thing. But jealousy in the context of the holiness of God means that he knows that he is the best and highest thing in the universe. And so wanting us to have him be first in our lives means he's actually wanting what's best for us. He's jealous for his relationship with us. And here's the thing too, like, I don't know about you guys, but we're fickle people, right? Like Mo just called me out. She's like, we don't like avocado anymore. And I'm like, no, right now I'm on peanut butter and chocolate because our hearts are very changeable. Our hearts are very fickle. We don't like to stick to one thing really a lot of times. We move around. I mean, just think about how fashion has changed. Like the 80s, the 90s, the 70s, we change and we like what we change a lot. Our hearts are very easily swayed. We're very easily enticed. Not just to things that we think about or want, but things that offer false promises of security, right? It's really easy to look for the tangible security that we can feel and touch and look at and see. So then that security entices us to worship other things. So this is kind of a litmus test for me when I think about idolatry and if I have idols in my life. And that is anything that is not surrendered to God is an idol. Anything that's not surrendered to God is an idol. And maybe you're like, what does that mean? It means that if there's an area in your life that you're struggling with control over, it's because that area, there's something about you having control over it or you wanting it in your life that means more to you than God. And that's kind of a, like, I don't know, maybe it takes you back a little bit to think about that, but that's true. If you want something more than you want God to have control over it, then that thing is of higher importance to you than God in your life and is an idol. And money is one of those things we hold on to tight, whether we're rich or poor, because it feels like security. But it's a false security 
Money is a false security rooted in a temporary mindset. It's so crazy to me, because if you look at Mark, what's happening in that passage in Mark, everyone is tithing. Nobody's not tithing there. So you would think that Jesus sitting there watching everybody doing what he'd asked them to do, that he would be happy with everybody, right? The rich people were coming, and in the Old Testament, a tithe was 10% of your income. So the rich people were coming, and they're throwing in large portions of money because 10% of their income is a lot, right? So you would think that these big bags of money or whatever would be super impressive. But the physical money, the tithe is not the issue. God was looking at a heart issue. And Jesus loves the widow, not because she, he, she gave him bags of money, but because she gave him everything he had. She gave him everything he had, she had to live on. And so when Jesus is looking at the heart issue and there's a woman coming to him and saying, you can have not just my 10%, but you can have my whole thing. That's what he's looking for. Jesus is after our hearts. He's after our whole being. He's after our whole, our whole lives. And the 10% that he asks people to give for a tithe is just a, it's just a way to measure really where our priorities are at. And money is a temporary security. But God is a present and eternal security. And he desires for us to trust him with everything. When I was thinking about this, too, I thought about, you know, okay, I understand from the perspective of someone who's not had a lot of money, me, does me, in my life all the time, like what it feels like to be living from paycheck to paycheck or to be concerned about where the next um, bill is going to get paid. But then I was like, what does it feel like to be super wealthy? And like you would think, okay, if I'm super wealthy and I have everything I could want or need, I might be satisfied, right? So then I was like, well, what do the wealthiest people in the world want right now? So I looked it up. So we're going to look at Jeff Bez Bezos? Okay, thanks, guys. Do you guys know him? Um, oh, he's there. <laughs> Poor guy. He needs some hair. Um, so Jeff Bezos, richest guy in the whole world right now, right? He is starting his own space tourism program, right? I was like, Jeff Bezos owns Amazon. He must have everything he could ever want or need. But he doesn't. He owns the world, so now he wants to own space. So he's not satisfied. And he bought himself a huge yacht. And then he bought himself a tiny yacht to serve the big yacht. So he has two yachts, because one wasn't enough. He's not satisfied. He's the most money in the whole world, and he still wants more. And I was like, well, maybe this guy would be you know, better, Elon Musk. Why do they look so weird, you guys? I don't know. They are. They are weird. <laughs> I know. I know. So Elon Musk also wants to own space. He's in a competition with Jeff right now. He just broke up with his baby mama, and he's investing in China. Those are the headlines about Elon Musk, like this week, like yesterday. So my friend Elon Musk, who's like the third richest person in the world, is not satisfied with what he has. He's looking for more. And then I was like, well, maybe if you go further down the list, maybe this guy is content. Because he owns the internet, right? He's not. His, the headline this week about uh, Mark Zuckerberg was that he's planning a metaverse to turn Facebook into the entire internet. 
He wants to have all the websites and all of us on them. And to have it be virtual reality. So he's not just satisfied with where he is now, he wants everything. So what does that tell me and tell us about money? It doesn't satisfy. And you can't ever have enough. Even when you have enough, you can have enough. And they're not happy. Like to me, I'm like, man, Jeff and Elon have so much on earth that they are literally trying to buy Mars. Right? That is crazy to me. Money lies. And money will tell you it doesn't lie, but it does. Money lies, and it tells you that it will bring you security and happiness. But it doesn't. And the thing is, is that each of these three men is someday going to die, and they are going to take 0% of the stuff they have with them. None of it is going to matter. Not one thing. Facebook is not going to help Mark Zuckerberg when he stands in front of Christ. So Jesus desires to be the center of our worship and our hearts. And so surrendering idols, it can feel scary because what you're doing actually is you're surrendering security. Something that you thought was going to bring you what you want. You're surrendering that to God. It's a trust issue. And that can be hard for a couple of reasons because, one, it's hard to give up control, right? And two, we don't believe that God is good. And actually, I know that this is true because I've listened to woman after woman after woman tell me how they don't want to give up the thing they're struggling with because God will probably not do what he said he's going to do. So there is a deep-rooted belief in us that God is actually not who he says he is, and that he is not good. That's the lie that the snake told us in the Garden of Eden, and he's still telling it, and you guys are still buying into it. So I want to encourage us and challenge us tonight. There are two things about surrendering our idols to God that is true. The first one is that it's a process. I think it's overwhelming because we think we have to take a step, and it doesn't have, it's not a step, it's like a jump, and you have to do everything all at once, and that feels very overwhelming, right? So when you're thinking about surrendering something that is an idol or is giving you false security, or whatever that thing is that you're afraid to give God, it feels overwhelming because you're like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know if you guys feel like that, but I have before. So I want to encourage you that it's a process, and it starts with one yes of surrender, and then God's going to ask you for another yes in that same area, and then he's going to ask you for another yes and another yes. Our Father is so good. He doesn't transform us all at once. He can, but he mostly doesn't. He invites us on a journey so that we learn to know him better and we learn to trust him, and he does that one small yes at a time. The second thing I want you guys to know, that God is good. And I wanted to share, I keep moving this, and I keep forgetting that I'm actually <laughs> recording myself, so I can't do that. Um, I wanted to share with you guys my story of the goodness of God in a place he asked me to surrender. And it's a story I've shared before, um, but I don't think I've shared it with the context that I have now. Um, so let me just go ahead and stop talking about it and do it. So when I was, 21, I got married, and I was married young and dumb and all of the things, and my husband as well. He was super young, we were the same age. 
And as we grew into our marriage and we grew into who we were as human beings, we came to a path of disagreement. I wanted to have children and he did not. And that caused a lot of contentiousness, a lot of fighting, a lot of all the things. Like I was at a place where I was like, I don't love you anymore, I want out, I want you know this and that. And I was all in my feelings and all in my rights. And this is probably when I was like 26 or 27. And I remember being at a women's retreat and I was sitting on a bridge and God asked me, um, I was having this conversation with God about, about choosing to leave my husband because he wasn't giving me what I wanted. And what I wanted wasn't wrong. Like we can just all acknowledge that it's okay to want to have children. Um, so that was my like, that was my like card in my hand. Like I'm not wanting anything wrong. And so I'm sitting there talking to God about it and he said, Crystal, this is not about you and your husband. This is about you and me. And what I'm asking you to do is lay down your right to have children. Now I had a choice. I could chase my idol, my rights, my family, the way that I wanted to build it. Or I could let God be who he said he was in my life. And I want you guys to know like that wasn't an easy yes. It was a yes that I cried over a lot. It was a yes that I grieved for a long time. But if I say I follow Jesus, that means that he gets permission to tell me yes or no in all areas of my life because he's God and I'm not. And so saying yes to God allowed me some things. It caused me grief as I gave up my biological children, but it allowed me time to have just ministry opportunities. I got to meet a bunch of you guys. I got to disciple women. I got to learn how to teach the Bible. I got to do a lot of things that otherwise I'd be you know, using my time to raise my kids, which is not wrong, but that's what I would have been doing. And I began to see the fruit of my yes to God as he started to do things in women's lives. Along the way, uh, one of the things I started doing was mentoring a group of young girls downtown, middle school aged. And in my little small group, there was about six girls. And as I mentored them and met them, I got to know their families. And about three years ago, one of the girls needed a place to go and she needed a place to live because her family situation was just bad. And so I called Ryan, he was out of town. I said, babe, this girl needs a place to stay while we figure out what's going on. Will you let her come stay with us? And he said, yes. And then that turned into, we got custody of her that turned into we're adopting her and so what I want to share with you guys tonight is that the desires of your heart are known to your father okay that doesn't mean that the path that you're going to take is going to be the path that you think you're going to take but you can trust the goodness of God and I want to tell you guys that I would still stand up here and say that he's good even if he didn't give me a daughter because I didn't think I was ever going to have them and that's the thing about saying yes to God. When he removes our idols, he gives us his goodness instead. And I tasted it even in the ministry that I was doing before I had my child. But you can trust him. When scripture says that trust in the Lord and he'll give you, or delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, that's a true promise. It's a true promise. Um, and so I wanted to end tonight with another scripture. It's out of Malachi 3. And it says this. Um, will a mere mortal rob God? This is God speaking. Yet you rob me. 
But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from, de from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Test me in this, says God. How many times does God invite us to test him in scripture? Mm -hmm. Yep, very few times, like easy teensy times. <laughs> God wants us to test his goodness. So in Proverbs and in Malachi, there's a promise that follows the command. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Bring the tithe into the storehouse. See if I will not, what does it say? Throw open the floodgates of heaven. Pour out so much blessing, there will not be room enough to store it. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm okay with like the floodgates of heaven opening up on me. I'm, I'm real okay with that. Like that is the place I want to be in. Proverbs says your barns will be filled to overflowing. And the thing about idols, guys, is that idols keep us from the real blessing. They keep us from the goodness of God. They give us cheap candy when God wants to give us cake and ice cream. They give us granola bars when God wants to give me peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> and he's jealous for us. He's jealous for the goodness that he wants to give us. And that goodness is in himself. So the questions for us tonight, guys, I forgot to put them on the slide, so I'm very sorry that you guys can write them on your paper. The first question is, is there an idol or an area in your life that you're struggling to give up to God? And then the second question is, what is the step that you can take? What is the first yes that you can take this week on the path to giving that to him? Mm -hmm. The first question is, is there an area or an idol that you're struggling to give to God? And the second question is, what's the first yes you can take this week in surrendering that to him? Everybody got it? Awesome. Okay. It is 7.47, so I'm going to give us a solid 25, 30 minutes, and then we'll come up and close.